Let's pray together, church. Our Father, we come before you this morning with hearts that are, are humbled. We have seen the work that you have done. We've discussed it, and we are greatly humbled that Jesus Christ saves sinners that repent. So, Lord, uh, we, we ask that you continue your work in us of salvation and sanctification as we study today. Open our eyes, O oh Lord, to what your truth is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I really enjoy this time of year because it's basketball season. And while it's a busy time of year, one of the roles that I am involved in each year is coaching basketball. And I have done it for several years, and I'm used to what I do. I, I'm, I know the age of the kids. It's a middle school boys team this year. I'm used to the, that age. I know what they can do, what they can't do. I can look at each player and say this player is capable of more than this player in this area, but less in this area. And, and my job as their coach is to say this is what you need to do, and this is what I think you can do to win the game and progress as a player. It's my job to play in practice, which is Monday night, and say that this is the truth we need to learn, and this is how you put it into play. It's my job as the coach to lead and organize the team, to be in a place, to put them in a position to do what they need to do to accomplish either winning the game or learning how to play basketball better. That's my job as a coach. It's my role. I enjoy it. I was coaching on Saturday, and as I do, as people make a mistake or, or haven't thought through something, all through the game, I say, all right, uh, Joseph, if they're going around you, step toward the, the sideline to keep them from going around you. Jacob, put your hands up when they get near the goal so it's harder for them to shoot, and so on and so forth. And oftentimes that takes place, as I'm at center court usually, is when they're running up and down the court. Yesterday, something happened for the first time in, I think, the eight years that I've coached basketball. A young man was running by, and I said, Arnold. And he kept running. I said, hey, Arnold. And he walked one foot from me. Arnold, hey, Arnold. And kept running by. Did, would not look at me. Did not want to hear what his coach had to say. I know he heard me. Because <laughs> you don't look the other way when you hear your name. This morning, we open up the scripture and, and walk through several passages of scripture to try to understand what the Lord has given to us. And our theme of this year is joy. And if you haven't been with us, we are talking about joy, especially the first two months here specifically. And uh, this morning, the title of the message is Joy in Submission. Joy in Submission. Our culture has taught us that if we, if we can't do everything that we want to do or would like to do, that we are oppressed or if someone is in charge of us in ways that we don't approve of, that that is wrong and we have to fix that. 
And this is a response, in my opinion, to a misuse of authority in many ways. Uh, Authority that has gone wrong. People who have been in authority but use their authority in inappropriate ways to injure people. But in a response to poor execution of authority, our culture has kicked back kicked back on the idea of any authority rather than trying to fix and make authority work. And so we hear oftentimes day in and day out of how we are free and we should be able to be completely autonomous in all of our decisions and we have the right to do this and that and there is no authority over us that should be able to tell us what to do. With that in mind, none of us grow in this room live outside of that atmosphere. But we come to the Bible that teaches something significantly different for us. And we have to come to grips that the Bible has given to us that authority is God-designed and God-instated for our joy. And for our execution of his purposes for us. For instance, if in the same realm I went to the basketball team and said, hey guys, y'all go do whatever you want today. I'm going to be your coach and not do anything. How well would the team do? Not well. Unless some one of the team members said, hey, I've got an idea. Why don't you play this position and you play that position and and we're going to draw up these plays. In other words, unless one of the players takes authority over the team. Authority is good and God designed. And I make the argument to you this morning that he has designed it for our joy. Because under good authority, our joy can be realized more fully. So Christian, this morning I want to offer that to you, that could it be that when we rebel against God's authority over us, we are forsaking joy that God has appointed for us? Last week I asked you these questions. Do we find joy in the Lord's wisdom? We see it all through the scripture. We walk through lots of people. We're not doing that again this week. God has designed And executed a role for all people. Do you find joy in the Lord's role for you? And it is a sin to revolt against God's design and role for us. There are many examples throughout history of people who have thoroughly abused the authority that has been vested into them. You see it with abusive relationships. You see it with crooked politics or corporations. But what we also see is that that is a problem with how authority is executed, not in the principle of authority. And that within the realm of good godly authority, a church can thrive, a family can thrive, a corporation can thrive, and a country can thrive. So we do not throw away God's design of authority because of bad execution 
throughout history. All right. With all that said, where does authority begin? Where does authority begin? And I'm going to propose to you this morning through the scripture that it all begins in the family. In the family. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open up to Ephesians 5. We're going to begin in verse 22. Ephesians 5 verse 22. God has given roles and given authority within the family for our own good. Ephesians 5 says this. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is what? Help me out, church. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. The husband is what, church? Help me out. The head of his wife. Verse 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ in the same way, wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Husbands do what? Husbands do what? Love your wives. How? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. There is a command for each man and woman in the family and how to appropriately act in the family. Most Christians do not have a problem with Christ being the head of the church. But many Christians have the problem with the husband being the head of the wife. Why is this, I ask you? Why is this? Because we're surrounded in a world that says that's not the case. We've seen reasons why that shouldn't be the case. We have personal experiences that say, you know, it's just not working out. But Christian, what does the Bible say? Husband is the head of wife. This is God's design for the family. Let me give you another passage. 1 Peter 3. Likewise, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word of conduct, without a word by the conduct of their wives. Notice, notice here, that even a disobedient husband who does not obey the word, the goal is through subjection or being subject to her husband that she may win her husband to the Lord when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, braiding of hair, putting on of jewelry, clothing you wear, but let your adorning Be in the hidden person of the heart. May it be internal with imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this, listen to the argument continue, for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Notice he goes to fear 
as a response to inappropriate or improper submission. (coughs) Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Again, Paul, Peter here gives instruction both to husbands and wives of how the family order is supposed to work. Husbands, lovingly lead. As a coach, I must do my job, but I must do it right and appropriately. I could sit there and scream at my team all day, and it's not the appropriate way to handle my authority. Husbands, appropriately and Christ-likely Lead in your home. Ladies, appropriately and Christ-likely submit to your husband. Let me give you an example, a real-world example. Last night or yesterday, Steve said, hey, I want to ask you something. Uh, can you meet? And uh, my response to him was, let me check on a few things. One of those few things included asking my wife if she thought it were okay to be here at this certain time. Why did I do that? I'm the head of the house. Why did I do that? Because I believe the Bible and I believe what Peter says to live with your wives in an understanding way. It is considerate of me to take my wife and her opinion and my children and their opinions into account before making a decision. This is the way a godly man leads his home. He makes decisions, he leads, he corrects, he directs, but he does it in an understanding way, wanting the best for those around him and doing something about it. This is how a man loves his family And my wife said, we can make that work. This is how a wife submits to her husband. Let me give you one more passage of scripture in the family, Colossians 3. And it says the same thing. I just want you to know it's there. We can't circumvent this idea of headship and submission in the home. Wives, submit to your husband's. As is fitting in the Lord, it is fitting in the Lord because he ordered it this way. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Do it in an understanding way. Children, obey your parents and everything for this pleases the Lord. Young people, if you live under your parents, young people, hear me. Obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Do not seek to get around your parents. Or trick them or deceive them or sneak around with your device or sneak around with your friendships or with your secret admirations. Obey the Lord in everything, Christian young people, because it pleases the Lord. Male headship is clearly taught in the Bible. I say this. Because we get to the next section. This is not a male ego trip. And I'll get to application. Believe me. This is not to 
merely empower men. The purpose of this message today is to say, we find our greatest joy in submission. Let me continue. Is there headship in the church? It's a question for you, church family. Is there headship in the church? There is headship in the home. Is there headship in the church? I see a lot of people saying yes, and maybe some people afraid to say no or yes. Are there different, well, let me back it up a step. Are there different roles in the church, in the execution and function of the church? Yes, there are. Let me, let me take a step back out of this for a moment. I realize that, uh, that for some people, this may be a difficult topic. You may be the, the victim of an abusive relationship that has taught you to reject submission. You may, you may have seen someone close to you who has been a part of this and said, how can I submit to a husband who is a, a bad husband? How can I do that? Those are all valid and legitimate questions, and they need to be worked through. But let me, let me say this, that does not negate the biblical principle that is given. And I hope you'll hear that from me. There is a principle that is given in the scripture of headship and submission for our joy. And our circumstances, we, we deal with them in a godly, Christ-like way, but we do not throw away what is clearly presented in the scripture. I hope that makes sense. If you have specific questions, I would be glad to talk with you this afternoon, tomorrow, or this week and give you my thoughts on how this is applied in very difficult situations. I'm giving you an invitation to speak with me personally about that. The purpose of today is this principle is how God has laid it out and there's a reason for it. And one of the primary reasons is that our joy comes in submission. So let me continue. Are there different roles in the church? Yes, there are. Clearly, they are given. Uh, and, and Paul asked those questions of the clear distinctions. Uh, he gives different roles, even in spiritual gifts of roles in the church. Uh, and he says uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, 29, in 1 Corinthians 12, 29, he says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles in the sense that not everybody's doing the same thing in the function of the church. In fact, in Acts chapter 6, verse 4, he says, We, as the apostles and leaders in the church, will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And then he called those around him to serve the tables in the church and do the, the, the service work of the church while the apostles and elders in the church prayed and did the ministry of the word. There are different roles in the church. So the next question that arises for us is this, are there distinctions made and is there a purposeful submission in the church? And many of you have answered that question. Is there submission in the church? Is there headship in the church? Let me pull the scripture out and let's look at it and see. These are hard things, y'all. First Timothy chapter two, watch this. I desire that in every place the men should pray. So men, men hear me, men, 
Are you praying appropriately? As a church member, as a church participant, are you a man of prayer? Is the the video game screen or the sports game or even the family duties, are they taking away from your call to be a man of prayer? Men, you are called to be a man of prayer. I desire that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Men, are you praising God with holy hands? Are your hands pure? Are you seeking to live a holy life? Fighting sin, not embracing godlessness, and then using those same hands to worship God. Specifically, men, without anger or quarreling, are you a man of peace? Not purposefully starting things, quarreling with people. All right, women, are you here, ladies? Likewise, also, women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel. That one is very clear. Women, your body is not there to tempt men to look at your body. It is there to honor God with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness. You are to be appareled with good works primarily. So ladies, are you doing good works? That means it's not that you're sitting behind and doing nothing. That is not the call for godly women. The call for godly women is to be women of good works. And that's a challenge. Because I know many of you have stretched thin schedules. And I'll ask you like I asked the men, but have you stretched yourself to, too thin to be a woman of good works? You are called to be a woman who does good things, good deeds for your family, for your church, for your community. Verse 11, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. The same role of submission in the church, in the family, plays out in the church as well. We'll talk in more detail of this. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. If you're familiar with, uh, with the Southern Baptist culture, uh, Southern Baptist doctrine and things that's going on in the Southern Baptist Convention, this has been a topic of discussion for the last few years. It has been one that has gotten a lot of ink, a lot of press, and a lot of time. What does Paul teach here? Paul says he does not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Does this mean that Paul is a sexist jerk? I'll go ahead and answer that one. No. I didn't want to give you too much time to, to, to answer that one. What does this mean? This means Paul is communicating God's desire for headship in the church. And what does this look like? It means 
Paul does not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man in the church. Paul is calling men to fill the role of teaching and authority in the church. And how does that play out primarily? The function of the elders or pastors in the church. We'll see this played out elsewhere in scripture and I will come back to this. But that's the simple answer right now. Paul is modeling the headship in the home to remain the headship in the church. And the context of this is you see qualification for elders in the next passage. And we'll come back to this. He gives his reason why headship in the church should be from the men. And that there is joy and submission in the church. He says, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. He goes back to creation and says, God ordered that man would be head and that woman would be created next. It is the creation standard, and I believe also falling back to the standard that's in the family. Watch the next verse, because this verse is taken out of context oftentimes and has caused much trouble with people. He says this, and Adam was, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became the transgressor. What is Paul saying here? Men, hear me very clearly. This is not saying that women are more easily deceived because Eve was more easily deceived. You know what this is saying? This is saying, men, Adam was passive in his role of leadership. And it was clear that they were together in the way that Genesis 3 account is. And Adam let the serpent talk to Eve when he was the head of the house. And he should have been the one dealing with him. Now, men, let me ask you a question. If someone intrudes into your house in the middle of the night, are you going to poke your wife and say, hey, go handle that? That's what Adam did effectively. There was an intruder trying to question God's word, and Adam didn't handle it. And what I, what I think Paul is clearly saying here is the man didn't do his, take his role of headship and allowed the problems to happen. And men, let me say this. Men, it is our job to not be passive and stand back, but to take a lead in the local church and in the kingdom of God and his plan for the church family and to lead well. Men, oftentimes the problem that we face is that we are passive because we don't want to hear people complain about us. And women, let me make you a part of this. Oftentimes, what ladies will do to their husbands when they try to lead is complain about how they lead. You're not doing it right. And what that does is it leads many men to back up and say, fine, if you're going to complain about it the whole time, I'm just not going to do anything. Men, that is not an appropriate response. And in the church, I am so grateful that in this church, if I am away for a week, we have men that can fill this pulpit who can teach you and lead you in an appropriate way. 
I am so grateful that men, we have men who step up and say, for years, ladies led every VBS class. Am I right? Am I right? And we have men now coming to, to me and to Allison and saying, I want to teach with my wife and take the class together. This is a beautiful thing. Men taking up the mantle of leadership. I have men who come to me and say, hey, can I read the scripture this week in church? I'd like to be a part of leading in the church. And it's not, and I know the hearts of these men, it is not because they want to be out in front and get lots of credit. It's because they want to be godly. Church, thank God that we have men in this church willing to step up and do the work. Nobody said amen. That is... Church, let, let, me, let me say that again. Because there are churches in and around our area who would give anything to have men who will step up and lead in church roles. I am thankful to God that we have strong men who will step up and lead in our church. I am also very thankful that we have women who are women of good deeds and doers in this church. Thank you, men. This church would not function without our ladies doing the work Every day in this church. Some of you guys don't see it, but, but I see it regularly. The things getting done because there are ladies who say, I love Jesus and I want to serve this church. And they do it every day, as well as men. I'm not griping at you. I hope you see this. I am elevating you as a church family because there are many churches that don't have what we have. What I am saying is God has designed a headship in the church and he has given appropriate roles for us. And, and friends, I don't, and brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be confused or taken aback by the culture telling you something different, that everybody has to do the same thing for things to be Equal, Because that's not the way God ordered it. There are too many scripture passages that teach differently. Let me give you a, a, another, gosh, another scripture passage. Just to, 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 to help us through this. Genesis 2.18. There's so much. Uh, Genesis 2.18 says this. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be what? Alone. I will make him or I will make I will make him a what? A helper for him. A help meet, says the King James. And the, the, the Hebrew word there is Azer. And if you know the Bible character Eliezer, it means the helper of God. The word Azer is I will make a helper. I will make a partner. I will make someone who is in cooperation with him. Because God desires partnership to accomplish his work. And the basic building block of that is marriage. 
a husband and a wife working together for the family. And then when you build up from families, you get families working together as a church. And then you get churches working together as communities and communities working together as larger communities and countries. But the basic building block is the partnership of man and woman working together in their own role. God made man and he made woman as an azer, as a helper, and they are partners with appropriate headship. Men do not expect the women to do your role. Women, do not expect men to do your role. Do y'all's role together. In the family, if you're not married and you're single, that's okay. In the church, you have a place to partner. Whether it's in your family or in your church, you have a place to partner. This, this principle is in 1 Corinthians 14, if you want to make a note of it. But 1 Corinthians 14, 33 to 35 says this. God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. In all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches. They are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Now, what is the context of this? It's very important. This is in the context of judging prophecies in the church. So there's a specific context for this. It doesn't mean women can't utter words in church. It means in the judging and valuing of teaching doctrine in the church. This is what this time of prophecy judgment was. And it was the elders role in the church to do that. To judge and value according to what, what is this word of God? Does it line up to what has been communicated? That is the elders and the leadership, the men's jobs to do. But clearly, there is submission in the church to the leadership of the church, specifically here to the male headship in the church. It is not unclear. The arguments against these things, they, they are... The, the passages of scriptures are clear. Whether or not we like them oftentimes is the problem. I want to argue to you that, that again, God's way is the best way. And our deepest joys are found in being obedient to how God has ordered things. Some people will say, well... Why, why is this? Why can't? Why aren't all the roles the same? And my answer is this. I, I don't know. But God has created something that is good, and it is not my job to undermine that or to change that. It is my job to learn from the scriptures and the holy word of God and to communicate it to you as our people and to lead us into humility and submission to God. If you, are, uh, if you have questions on this as well, I'll point you to a resource on YouTube. There's a guy named Mike Winger. Uh, he, he, uh, he has a, 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 a group of messages on this, a playlist that's on this. If you would like to go through, it's about, I've watched most, almost all of it. It's about 25 hours of material. 
you're welcome to walk through that as well and hear his perspectives. Um, I, I wanted to walk through that before I shared the, these things with you. And it's taken me about two months. I'll continue. Let me give you one other example from Scripture. Watch this. Titus chapter 2. Older men are to be sober-minded. That means you're to be stable. You're to lead well without being frantic. Sober-minded. You're to be dignified. Men, be a man of dignity. When someone looks at you to say, that's a man I respect because he's an honorable man. He's doing what is right. Men, you are to be self-controlled. You're to be sound in faith. Know what you believe. You are to be in, uh, in love. You are to be steadfast, faithful. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior. Similar, not slanderers or slaves to much wine or slaves to anything. But they are to teach what is good. Notice the women are teaching This is not saying women can't teach. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to help them in their family roles. Family is hard. We got poor Gabe standing back in the back. It's hard raising a family. Teach each other how to do it well, he says. Be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to your own husband. That the word of God may not be reviled. Notice that last phrase. Submission in the home. If there's a lack of it, it is reviling the word of God. This is what Paul is saying. And he's telling us, communicating. God has ordered family and the church like this. All right. Next week, we will get to another section of submission in the church. Not about men and women, but about elders, pastors, deacons, and such. There is further submission in the church. But I hope that today, church, as an introduction to this idea, there is a reviling that takes place when we undo the submission that God has called us to. Let me close with this thought and and remind you of this, okay? It is not merely the ladies that are called to submit. Men, you are called to submit to the Lord. And it's not just you who are called to submit to God and His ways. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, submitted in the garden when He said, Not my will, but yours be done. The Spirit of God submits to Jesus Christ in accomplishing His purposes. Submission is not a bad word. It is a pathway to joy. And Jesus found it. Men, you need to find it. And women, you need to find it. And we need to find it in this church in order to not revile what God has and to do things in a way that is pleasing to God for our joy. 
And so I close with the question this morning that I closed with the questions last week. Do we find joy in the Lord's design? Do we delight in the way that God made things? If so, based on this exposition of Scripture, I find no other way than to say God's design is that we find joy in submission. Otherwise, it is reviling what God has given to us for our own good. What is your application? First of all, if you have never submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord of the universe, he has demonstrated who he is by his life, by his death, by his resurrection. The first submission that anybody needs to make is to the Lord Jesus Christ and to say, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to come into your kingdom. I want to be made new. God, save my soul. That's the first application. Jesus saves sinners that repent. And if you will come to him, he will save your soul. Secondly, men and women alike, we all need to examine, am I submitting appropriately to whom I need to submit? And if there's rebellion in my heart, we pray, God, help me submit to the laws of my land. Help me, Lord, submit in the family the way I need to. Lord, help me submit in my church the way I need to. Help me submit to my boss the way I need to. Help me to be someone who submits to God the way I need to. That's the second application. How can we submit better, oh God? And third, find joy in the fact that God has given us a framework for our own good. He designed it this way. I would be glad to talk with you later if any questions, challenges, and make corrections if need be. Next week, please tune in. But read the scripture. Rejoice in it and find joy that God has created submission for you, every one of you, for your joy. In Jesus, let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for the design that you've given us. We're thankful for your word. Help us to submit to your word every day. Let men model submission to their wives. Let women model submission to their families. Let us all model submission under Jesus Christ the Lord. And Lord, give us deep joy in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.